Hey guys, this is Rovik here, and before we get into the podcast, I just wanted to reach out and thank you all for joining us on this crazy journey that we've begun. Um, it all started out as a way to go back to the roots of how we got to a lot of the places that we did in Singapore, uh, institutions, events, or just positions that we've taken on, on a various uh, range of topics. And the goal is to get people to realize that they can reshape and evolve Singapore in their own way uh, by understanding how we got here. So hopefully if you guys like it, please do share uh, and get get these podcasts out there so that more Singaporeans can go back to the roots of a lot of these things and then be empowered to, to challenge and to evolve what we have in Singapore and eventually create a better society. That's, that's all we want. So hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, and feel free to message us if you have any thoughts or questions. Looking forward to hearing from you all. Hey guys, uh, welcome to another episode of SG Explained. Um, thanks for joining us. This is our third episode and we're very excited to keep doing this. Uh, we actually have a very interesting one today. Yes, we uh, do. Yes, we do. I had a lot of fun doing the research for this, but we're essentially talking about uh, Singapore's history before raffles. Mm, so mm, I think mm. a lot of us know the history from our social studies or history classes. Uh, but, you know, I was always very curious uh, what happened before, because, you know, in my travels, I've heard of like ancient empires and like kings and, and stuff like that. And I always wondered that why why doesn't Singapore have that? It seems like when an island when an island in the middle of Southeast Asia, there should be something here. Yeah. Uh, and it was very cool to be able to see. Uh, we actually do, and we we have some good nuggets here that I think will make for some really interesting. Essentially, we're going to be giving a history lesson today. Yeah. Uh, but of course, a lesser known part of history about Singapore's pre-colonialism, colonialism. Yeah. Oh, that's a mouthful. But essentially, uh, guys, today we'll be running through, definitely I know this year we're talking about uh, Singapore's bicentennial, uh, 50 years of self-governance, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, our 50, uh, 50 what birthday again? Uh, I think we're 53. 53, that's yep. right. Yeah, 53 <laughs> Willie, how did you forget oh, this? My, yeah, <laughs> I, sh- I, should be, I should be totally, yeah. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, here we are. Yep. Are you ready, Rovik? Yep. Today's going to be... Uh, I just want to quickly note for okay. those who are watching us on Facebook Live that for the first time, I am not wearing black. Uh, people have been commenting how we've been uh, conforming our uniform, and so so we're different. Uh, that's a big thing. Um, I'm still wearing black. Yeah, you, you, you'll stay for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're old trying to keep gold. it interesting. All this gold. All this gold. So let's, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, let's go way back in time. Uh, to the first ever mention of Singapore, the island that, that is known as Singapore. Okay. Um, so the first time it was actually mentioned, uh, is actually disputed. It's between two different sources. So we have one which is all the way in Greece, uh, and it, it's mentioned maybe in the second century. That's what some of, uh, these resources tell us, but, uh, by this guy called Ptolemy. And what happened was that Ptolemy is a Greco-Roman uh, scholar, uh, and he has this this famous book called Geographia. Mm. And basically what they say is that they mention 
the island of Singapore uh, at, at the southernmost tip of the Malayan Peninsula, and they call it Sabana. Mm. So that's one of the names that, that we have, oh, uh, Sabana. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the other one, so you can imagine uh, one, one ancient source of history is in Europe. Uh, the other ancient source uh, <laughs> is actually, as you would expect, it, Chinese. So mm. the Chinese source of uh, history basically is from a third century Chinese traveler. Okay. And basically they describe an island at the, at the exact same location, but they call it Pu Luo Chung. Am I pronouncing it right? Uh, Pu Luo Chung. Uh, Pu Luo Chung. Yeah. And, and that basically mm. refers to Singapore's early Malay name, uh, Pulau Ujong. Mm. So we have Pulau Ubin, we have Pulau Takong, yep. uh, and actually people don't know the name of the island itself, the mainland. That is actually still today, people still call it, uh, like historians and geographers, and we actually have a name for the mainland. Pulau Ujong. Pulau Ujong. Okay. So people always say, oh, I'm going from the mainland. Actually, you can So say we it. call it Singapore Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Singapore uh, Island is the, is the official name. Okay. Um, but actually Pulau Ujong is also... The name and, and it basically means island at the end. Island at the oh man, that sounds kind of grim. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like one of those things in like a TV show where like we have to go to the island, the at, island the end. at the end, and that's basically oh, Pulau Ujong. Can you uh, hear Chayan Fat? <laughs> welcome to Singapore. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean we're we're gonna talk about that because Chayan Fat is part of this huge meme that people still uh, refer to Singapore, mm. and he is the pirate king. Right, 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 and. Right. and uh, we're going to talk about Singapore's pirates actually later on. Oh, cool. In cool. the episode. Love that. Um, but Anything pirate is exciting. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think we should we should get to how we got the name Singapore or Singapura. Singapura. Yeah. yeah. Before that, it was called Tomasic. Mm. So back in the day, basically, uh, people around here, especially in the Malayan archipelago, they called the island Tomasic. Uh, but there was a series of things that were happening uh, around that time, Singapore was basically right in the center of a lot of battles. Uh, okay. Empires used to exist, okay. and people used to be fighting all around this area. Um, and it was only probably around the end of the 14th century mm -hmm. uh, that's when we actually got the name Singapura. Mm. Um, and, and and that story is actually very interesting. Sure, and I think the Chinese call it uh, they call it Tan Ma Si. Ah, yeah, that's yeah. the old Chinese name for Tamasic. Right. I think most of the Chinese things that we're hearing right now are all pretty much like a direct translation of Malay. Mm. So, the, so the, it seems like, see, Tamasic is like Tan Ma Si. I think that's like some, some kind of direct translation for something. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, mm. and, and so there were actually many things that were happening, right? So uh, maybe, maybe your research, you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, but there were the Chinese that were basically going around, basically trying to explore and do trade in the region. Yeah. But there were a number of key empires, right? So mm. we have the Chola Empire, um, which okay. is yes. basically uh, one of the great empires uh, from from uh, South Asia. Yep. Um, you had uh, the Sri Vijaya Empire. Okay. And so that was. Uh, so we are talking Game of Thrones right now, right? Yeah. This is so Chola. Sri Vijaya. Sri Vijaya. Yeah, you have uh, the Majapit. The Majapit uh, uh, Empire, which is basically uh, uh, the Indonesian Empire, which is uh, which is somewhat like 
uh, that forms the current uh, Indonesian archipelago yeah. as a country. Basically, right? that's where yeah. they say like, the like origins the mm. come from. Mm. Uh, and with the Majapahit Empire, like if you want to compare it to anything, you have to think about... Uh, you, do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, I do. So basically the Iron Islands, oh, right? It's basically these people, they, they don't really care about the actual land. Mm. They just rule on the sea. And mm. so that's essentially what they do. Uh, they are the Iron Islands of Southeast Asia. Okay. Uh, and they, they only care about maritime stuff. And, and there's one more important empire, and that's called the Ayutthaya Empire. Ayutthaya. Yeah. Mm. And so that's basically around, uh, it, it, it's close to the Siamese Empire. It's, it's Cambodia, Thailand, that region. Okay. And so if you imagine where Singapore is, um, we have the Ayutthaya Empire on top. Mm. We have the Majapahit Empire uh, all around the, the islands. And then you have also the historical uh, Srivijaya and Chola right, Empire right, making, right. making its way. And so Singapore, Singapura, mm. basically, uh, was in the middle of a lot of stuff. And that kind of lends to, to a lot of historical stuff. Right. We're going to see sieges. We're going to see battles uh, cool. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that, that's, really, that's really interesting. I mean, let's get right down into the direct history of these all these different empires. Yep. And of course, how this whole entire Game of Thrones is happening. Do we want to talk about the famous well, man? <laughs> well, in, in the meantime, guys, um, if you have any questions about Singapore's pre-colonial history, which is what we're talking about today, please leave a comment about what you want to hear about. Maybe as part of our um, part of our discussion today, we can actually talk about it. Yep. And we we can also um, we can also try to explain what we what we know. History is a really long time to explain. But if you have got some interesting bites, I think we are we we really want to hear from you. So leave a comment. Yep. So let's get down. Yep. So so we'll start with Tomasic. Okay. Uh, Tomasic actually existed in the Srivijayan Empire. So okay. that's probably one of the earliest, like empire-based histories of Singapore, okay. of Singapore, hmm. uh, and it was a small trading outpost uh, inhabited by the Orang Lauts. Okay, uh, and Orang Lauts mean... So these were people who were loyal to the Malay kings, and they were basically like your, 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 coast, your coast guards and like your, the people who basically were making sure that the island was protected. Okay. So they patrolled the sea areas, repelling uh, pirates, okay. uh, and directing traders to Malay overlords' ports and maintaining those ports' dominance. I see. So there's a lot of a lot of very interesting stuff happening uh, in this outpost, mm. and it actually rose from a small trading outpost into uh, a center of international trade mm. with uh, the UN dynasty. So. Mm. Basically, Singapore was already a port way before Raffles came, and I think a lot of people don't know that about about our country. Mm. I think the the Orang Lao was actually an uh, ethnic group living in Singapore and Peninsula Malaysia, yeah, the Rao Islands as well. So uh, they were just people living on coastal islands. Yep. Yeah, and and I think they they formed the population of the people there. Uh, they made up, and they were also quite loyal to the kings over there as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And really, so really cool. a lot of people still say, you know, if you want to talk about the true uh, Singaporeans, mm. quote unquote, uh, yeah, you you kind of only talking about the Orang Lawut. Like mm. everyone else is an immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> so so true. so like uh, it, that would include me and you, right? Yeah, I mean we're not <laughs> that old. This is like only uh, a couple of hundred years old, you know, and like. Well, it's just a couple of hundred years. I mean, uh, <laughs> compared to the whole history. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that's uh, 
That's that's basically Tomasek. Great. Um, Sangnil Otama, though. That's that's a that's a name that we kind of have to oh, yeah. talk about. Mm. Uh, when people talk about Singapore's founding, they talk about two main people. Okay. Uh, the first one is Raffles. Okay. Uh, Raffles Definitely. is uh, is quote unquote the father of modern Singapore. Mm. Uh, the person who basically made Singapore into an actual city, okay. cosmopolitan city. Okay. Uh, but Sangnil Atama is the name that people refer to when they talk about who founded uh, this island. And th- that's right. a, in itself controversial. We'll talk about that later. Mm. Um, Sangnil Atama, his father is this person called Sang Sapurba, who mm. is actually known as uh, one of the common great ancestors of most Malay monarchies in the Malay world. So okay. Sangnil Atama is basically a descendant of, of this great Malay king. Uh, and, 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 and that's why people always talk about Singapore as being inherited from, from a great man. Like Sang Utama is actually a very famous man. Uh, mm. Sang Utama was actually from Palembang, right? Yes. Initially. Yes. And then later on, uh, he sort of like traveled to Singapore or some sort? So actually what was happening was that, uh, the empire uh, that he was a part of the Sri Vijana Empire right. was currently being at this point being under siege, and okay. so he was actually escaping from from all the chaos that was happening, and he took refuge in Bintan, um, mm. and so they were exploring uh, mm. Tanjung Bumban uh, in in Bintan when he saw an island with white sandy beaches okay. uh, while he was exploring that island. Mm. So I don't know where these white sandy beaches would be now. Right. Uh, <laughs> Because we've reclaimed everything, mm. uh, but but uh, once they found out that that island was called Tomasek, they they set sail for it. This is a story that we'll hear from uh, history books anyway. But along the way, they encountered a severe strong, a storm. They landed safely and they went to hide, hunt for wild animals for food. Okay. Um, and while they were there, they saw a strange animal with a red body, a black head, and a white neck breast. Okay. So it was uh, they they started moving with great speed and they asked the chief minister. Damang Labar Daun, uh, mm. who was the chief minister of the Orang Lauds back then, um, what animal it was, and they told it it was probably a lion. So, uh, so you know what? I actually did kind of like a, a research on an animal that has a red body, a black head, and a white neck breast. Okay, what is that? Yeah, so I, I've come to summarize the possibility for such a combination. Sure. So one of the things that were listed was, number one, red panda. Oh, Number the red two, pandas are not native to us, it's right? It's not. <laughs> uh, number two was uh, the red river hog. Is that a pig? <laughs> <laughs> it is a pig. Okay. It is a pig. And number three was actually the greater mouse deer. Oh. Yeah. So the greater mouse deer has a black snout, yep. a red body, and actually had like uh, white color uh, markings on his neck down to its chest. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty interesting. I mean... I, I tried to see what, what kind of description would best fit this. But you know what? Uh, the, the next part, which is it was a fine-looking animal and moved to great speed. It didn't say about size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind, maybe it might be a mouse deer or sorts. And I, and I actually read that lions are not even native to, mm. to the island of Singapore. Uh, Clearly not. Yeah, and so more, more likely is that if you did see a big cat, it was a tiger. So, yeah. so I mean, imagine if our name was Tiga City instead, uh, uh, Tiger City. Uh, it would be a very different history. I have. suppose, definitely. Um, so, so basically, that's that's a story that if you saw the lion. Mer Tiger, I suppose. Mer Tiger. Yeah. So this 
So the story actually does not talk too much about the male lion part of it. Uh, basically, lion city makes sense. You mm. saw a lion, Singa, Pura, mm. city. Uh, the male lion is actually an extension of that myth uh, where they talk about how um, because he saw the, the, the lion go into the river mm. or he saw the lion come out from the river, that's why he thought it was a male lion. Oh, uh, actually, um, very recent, the male lion was a creation of this guy... I don't know which country he was from. He came over and he created this mascot for Singapore. He even claimed the rights and STV actually took it. And it oh, really? Yeah. And it continued to be now today our understanding of the Merlion. Yeah, but <laughs> it's so weird because the Merlion doesn't exist. Yeah, doesn't. I mean, it doesn't exist. Right. That, that, I don't dispute that. Mm. Uh, but but Sangalatama didn't even say anything about yeah. it, uh, which is crazy. Uh, there's a couple of other stories of why... Um, the, mm. this, the the Lion City may not have come from from Sangalatama. Mm. Uh, one of it is that it was basically adopted by Parameswara, who was the last king of Singapore. So some people they don't actually recognize Sangalatama uh, or, or his more uh, formal name, Sri Sri Tri Buana. Mm. Um, they actually say that it was Parameswara, and he was re-establishing in Tamasic the Lion's Throne. That he had originally set up in Palembang, and we'll talk about the story yeah, uh, later course. on. Okay. Uh, Speaking of the Orang Lot, I mean, to continue this story, yeah. um, eventually Sanglina Utama was made the king or raja of mm. Singapore, right? Yes, yes, and yes. he essentially renamed Tomasic to Singapura after you see that yep. red creature yes. that dashed into the forest, yeah, and he made his capital at the mouth of the Singapore River. Mm-hmm. And well, that area actually, uh, that that settlement had actually a hill and a spring. Are we talking about Fort Canning Hill? Yeah, and we're talking about Fort Canning. So, I mean, the, historically, we we wonder if, if they say where is this fresh uh, water spring happening? Um, actually, it, it it kind of existed even almost into Raffles times as well. Yeah. So, what happened to the spring that exists on the west side of Fort Canning? Uh, was it served as a source of, of water in the early days of Singapore. And then the spring was called Bunker Larangan, or Forbidden Spring. Okay. And the woman of the ruler's house uh, was said to bathe in ancient times. In the early period of the 19th century Singapore, the stream was used to provide clean water for the ships until it was it exceeded the capacity. So, so what you're saying is that Fort Canning Hill was basically the heart of, of a kingdom purely uh, based on, 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 on the fresh water, and, and, and a strategic location yep. to the mouth of the river. Yeah, definitely. And so until, we had a kingdom here. Yeah, exactly. And what happened to the spring was that people started digging up wells, and then the, the entire spring just kind of like dried up. Yeah. And then that was the end of the spring. So we don't really see the spring today, but it, it, it's actually pretty recent that the spring was still alive. Yeah. And so, that, that was the history of that, uh, the capital of where Sangnila Yutama established his throne. Yeah. So actually... Uh, for our Facebook Live uh, viewers, if you have seen, if you have been to the National Museum, uh, you would have seen actually some of the key artifacts that have been discovered. There have of been course. artifacts that have been discovered around Fort Canning Hill uh, that do point to this this famous kingdom yeah. uh, that that has been set up in in, in, in Singapore. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah, and of course, um, following on. Um, the I, I mean uh, the hill itself. Yes. The hill itself actually wasn't just 
strategically important. I think mm. uh, one thing that I read that was very interesting was it actually represented a much bigger mountain called mm. Mount Meru. Right. And Mount Meru is basically the seat of the gods in Hindu and Buddhist mythology. Okay. So basically uh, what Sangilatama was doing was that he was saying uh, this, this hill is basically uh, the same hill that the gods in, in, in my religion are, are at. And by virtue of that, uh, the kingship and divinity that is associated with that is now here. Right. right? And so right. in Southeast Asia, he was basically making that mark. Um, and he asserted his role as not just a king, but a semi-divine ruler. It's like a common theme among kings, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. They ascend and become gods. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. And yeah. He, he, he gave himself a super long name. Okay. Do you want to read it? I, I think, I think okay. you may have a better it chance. It says here, to... I don't know whether I'm pronouncing this correctly. Sure. And honestly, I think that's more of your native tongue than mine. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, okay. Well, mm. you try it. Okay, it's Sri Maharaja Sang Utama Paramiswara Batara Sri Tri uh, Buana. Yeah, good job. Did I do it correctly? <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Uh, you would have done it better than I did. So, but but I'll, I'll do the easy one. Basically, what it means right. uh, is Lord Central King Batara of Sri Tri Buana, uh, or uh, as as it's known, Sri Tri Buana basically means three world real. So realm. So the Lord Central King Batara of the three world realm. Well, uh, three world realm. Yeah, and the three worlds are basically referring to Palembang. Okay. Uh, Bintan, which okay. is where he, he came from, mm-hmm. and Singapore. Singapore. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, and so basically that settlement grew into a thriving cosmopolitan city. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of trade ships that were coming uh, from China and from mm. and from, from South Asia, mm. uh, and and that's where the pirates actually started thinking oh. of attacking uh, the Malacca Straits because mm. a lot of trade ships are coming through Singapore. Mm. Um, and, and, and we'll talk about some of these trade stories uh, with, with the Chinese uh, historical sources as well. Sure, sure. Mm, but some, uh, I think some of the scholars actually thought that this character was pretty much a fictional character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, there are some alternative suggestions of how the, the name of Singapore was actually created. I think we talked about that earlier as well. Uh, it is, of course, definitely we talk about the, the likelihood of lions in Singapore. And um, and to be honest, there are, the more likelihood is actually there are tigers in Singapore. Yeah, that's what that's yeah. what I was saying just now. Mm. Yeah, as we were saying, basically the lion was a way of just uh, claiming uh, divinity and and making sure that that when people heard the story that they mm. that they thought that this was something mm. that uh, Sangaratama or whoever was founding uh, had had legitimacy to. Mm. Um, but. But we'll talk about, about, about some of these stories later on. Uh, why don't we talk about some of the kings uh, that... So, we, that, so essentially, there are five kings in the reign of Singapore. Yep. And, of course, um, Sangila Utama was the first king. Yes. He was made the king yep. by the Orang Laut yep. uh, in, uh, in history. Yep. And then, subsequently, uh, he was succeeded by this guy called... Sari Wakra, uh, Wikrama Wira. Yep. Right? And essentially, the increasing powerful Javanese kingdom, Maja Pit. Oh, am I pronouncing this correct? Maja, I, I, I'm pronouncing it Maja Pit. Maja Pit, okay. Uh, I think if someone knows how to correct us, please do. Uh, so remember, Maja Pit was the 
the uh, Javanese style of the, yes, the, the, the kingdom. The ship-based, maritime-based mm-hmm. empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and what happened is he began eyeing the growing influence of the tiny island kingdom. And under the leadership of his ambitious warlord, uh, they started to embark on overseas expansion. Yep. And, and uh, against all countries of the Nusantara, which is essentially Nusantara, which is actually north, uh, I think it was north of Asia. Yep. And all, all the countries in north, uh, north of Southeast Asia. Yep. Uh, and, and including the remnants of the Sri Vijaya. And so they, uh, so they, they actually went to Singapore to demand the submission of Singapore itself. Exactly. Right. So this is, this was from the Japanese kingdom in the second history, which is, uh, Sri Wakara, Wak, Ramawira yep. was actually taunted by this king from, uh, and so and so this is actually Singapore has this huge history of sovereignty, right? Outside yeah. the sovereignty, we actually our sovereignty was being threatened because of our size way before even even as a as a as a small kingdom, mm. uh, and and as as it's in our culture, mm. uh, we refused even back then. We were like, we're not gonna, yeah. we're not gonna give in. And so uh, what happened was that Vikramavira mm. sent a symbolic message, and he threatened to shave the Majapahit king's head should he proceed to Singapore. <laughs> and so, as you would expect, the Majapahit king ordered an invasion with around 180 warships uh, and, and, and innumerable uh, small vessels. And the fleet passed through the island of Bintan, uh, where where people started spreading the news of Singapore, and the defenders, so. So the three realms, right, Palembang, Bintan, and Singapore, uh, they basically assembled 400 warships to face the invasion, and, and they clashed on the coast of Singapore. So there was a battle that happened uh, on the coast of Singapore, wow. uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and because the Javanese soldiers back then were inexperienced in the region and, 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 and in naval warfare, which is quite surprising, right. uh, they were completely mm-hmm. overwhelmed, uh, and, 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 and Singapore won. Mm. So, so that was our first battle. Uh, if mm. you think about it, that's crazy. Mm. Uh, back in uh, around 13, 1347. So you're talking about four hundred warships from uh, from the Singapore site and one hundred thirty other warships from uh, the one hundred eighty uh, warships from, from the Majapahit side. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm just thinking that the odds are pretty. Grim for the 180 warships. Yeah, right? you don't mess, right? <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, right? A lot of a lot of Singapore's history, mm. uh, we people have asked, like, why do we want to talk about stuff like this? Like, it's, mm. it's even before Raffles and even before I said it's a city. But I mean, we were a small island all the way, mm. uh, and if we can tap into that part of our narrative, if we can talk tap into that part of our cultural uh, icons, mm. right? If you were to, if you and and, and historical stories, mm. it's crazy that. Even back then, we could we could show our clout uh, and say, "Don't mess." <laughs> right. I suppose I suppose it's akin to the fact that why we need such a strong naval uh, naval force and naval presence in the region as well. Yeah, I think even in history, this this was this was also very telling of how the the region was like in naval warfare as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, they, the forces from the Mahat Majapahit were actually at Bintan, and just in a short while, the king actually. Put together 400 warship uh, force. That's yeah. kind of crazy if you think yeah. about it. I mean, that's what the story says. Mm. Uh, we can always question if that's reality. And in fact, what we'll find out later on mm. is that some people have even disputed uh, all of these stories, basically saying that it's it's some way to uh, legitimize the claim of the three vagina 
uh, family that, mm. that all of these kings never actually existed or these war mm. stories didn't exist. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Sure, uh, sure. So we, we talk about Sangha Utama. Mm -hmm. We talked about Seri Wikrama Vira. Yes. And now we're going to talk about the third king. Yep. So okay. the third king. Mm. Uh, so Seri Wikrama Vira died in 1362. Okay. And he was succeeded by his son Seri Rana. Vikrama. Well, this is a tongue twister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is it's gonna get harder, I think. <laughs> but but basically, in this in this person's story, I didn't actually find too many interesting things about Seri Rana Vikrama himself. But right. what I did find was a story of Badam. Okay. Uh, have you heard of Badam? Of course, definitely. So Badam. They play in the national parade. His story, I think, a few national. Yeah, parade, yeah. So right? those people who remember the NDP uh, parade, they they did this whole like. Uh, they like to do the cultural part of the mm, show, mm -hmm. and they and they did Badang. Uh, but Badang is actually a Singapore uh, historical icon as well. Yeah, uh, but Badang was not from Singapore. He wasn't. No. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell the story? Yeah, Badang was actually a Siamese kid from Sayong Pinang, which is pretty much Johor okay. today, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was only he was the only son of two poor farmers who worked hard until the day, the day they died. So. As a young man, Badang had to work as a coolie for a rich farmer. Yep. And essentially, it was almost like slavery in those days. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> so he was just slogging his uh, his days away. He was actually a slave. Wow. Yeah, he was actually a slave. I think for his own survival, he had to yeah. be a slave. So he didn't really get paid and received only a few handful of rice each day. So that's what happened. So this was really hardly enough hunger for such amount of work. So yep. Badang relied on catching fish for extra sustenance. He set up fish traps along the stream every night and get it the, uh, the net the following morning. But essentially, the story is that Badang, on one day, he was trying, he found that his traps didn't catch anything. He was really hungry. Mm -hmm. And then he fell into sleep, dreaming of making big someday. Yep. Dreaming of uh, giving his parents uh, really fine clothes, uh, really having food to eat. He's a proper Asian kid. Right? And he even mm -hmm. dreamed that uh, he dreamt that he uh, he was able to throw a rock uh, that traveled many miles away. Yes, I remember this part <laughs> of, of the story. And he also dreamt that he swallowed something that came out from the mouth of an ugly beast. And that was able to give him strength. Was this the demon that, that, that I remember well, you see, the story? This was the dream. Okay. And then what happened was after that, Badang's, uh, Badang woke up yep. at dawn and he saw the exact same beast in his dream. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, didn't, so, I, I forgot about this yeah. part of the story. So, okay. the, so the beast was what they consider a hantu aye, mm. which is essentially a water spirit, a okay. water ghost, if you want to call it. Yeah. Oh, you know what we should do a whole episode about? Ghosts and, 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 and supernatural stuff. And oh, yeah. Well, I think okay. that would be... Like, I remember... Uh, well, let's not distract ourselves. But I remember... Like, what's the white lady called? Uh, Pontiana. Yeah, Pontiana. Oh, oh my okay. God. Yeah, maybe story. we could do yeah. a, a list of different <laughs> kinds of ghosts and their sightings. Right. Well. But anyway, the beast was a hantu ayer, really essentially the water ghost or water spirit, and it could just basically take the form of uh, flora and fauna and bodies of water. So, <clears throat> in some other in some other versions, he looked like a short old man with long beard and long white hair. Okay. So that's what it is. But essentially, Badang saw this guy or saw this demon. He went up behind him and caught him by the hair. And essentially, this demon was really timid and he was scared of his wits. That's a, that's a real bold move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a person who just I, if, I, if I saw a demon, I'd be running away. I, I wouldn't know how to deal with it. But 
but essentially this uh, hantu uh, said that he will grant Badang uh, any wish if he spared his life. Okay. Yeah. So Badang thought about having the power of invisibility, but he thought, you know what, I'll get caught and get hunted. So he said, nah, maybe not that. He thought about maybe having riches, but you know he was a slave. Yes. So, therefore, anything he had in possession was his master's. Oh, that's a horrible so, system. So, <laughs> you know what? So, he decided maybe that's not a good idea. So, instead, he actually wished for strength. Okay. Yeah, and and then and then the demon said that if you uh, swallow whatever I cough up, then you'll gain that strength. So, the demon vomited all its fish and Badong essentially just took all the fish, one bit and a bit, and just ate it all. How much fish did he eat? I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, I mean... Fish coming up from somebody else's mouth. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not a good idea. But in some of the stories, the the demon actually caught up two red gems instead of fish. So kind of, kind I, of I would follow story. the gems much easier than, really? than the fish. <laughs> if it's a really big gem? Uh, okay, fine. If it's yeah. a really big gem, <laughs> Willie. Well, when they talk about throwing up gems and collecting gems, that sounds like a totally like a game. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I mean, like, sounds like sounds like Badan was playing a yeah. RPG or something. Yeah. But you know what? Um, so through the demons, what Badan came immensely strong, and he walked back and he tested the strength of the trees and he cleared a forest for his master. And the master was essentially so grateful that he actually freed him from slavery. Oh wow. Yeah. So uh, okay. So so conveniently, I think he just said. I think it's more like he didn't want to mess with him. Yeah, he was like, where <laughs> yeah, did right, uh, come from? I don't want to know. Yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, you're free to go. <laughs> so although it's attributed to the fact that he cleared the forest, but I think it's, he's scared of his wits. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but essentially, um, he he uh, went on to go to Singapore to find work. So that's how it's connected. Yeah, right? exactly. So Badang eventually landed on Singapore. He, he was on his way there, or in Singapore, he saw... 50 people trying to push an entire boat into the water, but okay. they couldn't. Like, uh, how, big a, how big of a boat are we talking about? I, I don't know. It just says a really heavy boat. <laughs> okay. I don't know what heavy okay, boat this sure. is, but it took 50 men. Yeah. Uh, and even the king sent 300 men to push this boat, and it just wouldn't go and into this is, the water. And this is the king that we were talking about, Seri Rana Wikrama. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this same king sent 300 men to actually push the boat into the, okay. to, uh, to the, into the sea, yeah. but they just couldn't. So... Uh, when uh, when Badang saw it, he just said, hey, he, just you know what? he just said, you know what, let me try it. And they go like, you know what, you're so scrawny. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, because he was always a small guy. Yeah, he was. And he said, like, you know, it's not going to work. But until he, he protested and said, you know what, give me a shot. And the king went, went like, okay, fine. <laughs> so he managed to push that heavy ship or you know, heavy boat into the sea. You know who Badang kind of reminds me of? Who? Captain America. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. His transformation. Exactly. I mean, Captain America became huge. Yeah. Uh, and Badang didn't. But but I mean, we have a Captain Singapore, right? Yeah. Technically, Badang so, is Captain Singapore. Right, so I suppose that there's hope for uh, scrawny guys out there. Um, if if you see a random old man who is short with long hair, it looks kind of like catch a, him, catch, catch him, catch him. Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Let's not. Do it. It reminds, it just reminds me of some toys in in the nineties, but never mind. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and and then later on, because he was able to push the the the, the boat into the sea, the king made him his commander in chief. How convenient! Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> right? Yeah, but of course, yeah. because he was able to have the strength of three hundred men. Exactly. Uh, that's that's incredible. But essentially, the next part of the story is that he often helped the villagers, and then he moved on. And then there was this king of Kalinga, which is in India, who heard about this story. He decided to send one of his most uh, one of his strongest men. 
Okay. For a challenge with Badang. Mm-hmm. And they basically had a test of strength and they were both equals. So there was someone who was just as strong. Exactly. Okay. Wow. So they had one final well, test. Where did all these strong people I don't come know, from? There are a lot of demons. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, and a lot of demons puking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but essentially, uh, Badang, uh, they, they were like equal, they were equal in strength. Right. So uh, the king, so there was one final challenge, which is anybody who can lift this really, really big rock, was 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 to be crowned the winner. Okay. So the guy uh, that Kalinga, the king of Kalinga, sent, he was able to lift that rock over past his knees. So it was pretty strong. Yeah. Right. But Badang went to take the rock over his head and threw it a few kilometers, and it landed at the mouth of the Singapore River. Oh wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I I just don't understand this part when when they are both challenging a test of strength, and then yet. Uh, this guy was like totally overpowered, could throw an entire rock into the Singapore River, couldn't out. Because I, if I remember it right, I think it was part of his dream as well to, to throw a rock really far. So maybe it was like final fulfillment of oh, his dream. True. Yeah, maybe uh, that's it. And and people say that, that we have that rock today, right? Yeah, exactly. And that rock landed on the mouth of Singapore River, unfortunately it was blown up by some British... I mean, trying to make modern Singapore. Yes, I read about this. Yeah. And so we Raffles. now have what we call the fragments of this rock mm-hmm. on our stone called the Singapore Stone, which, of course, you can go check it out at the National Museum of Singapore. So essentially, that's the third history or the third uh, most catchy thing about the, the reign of this third king of yeah. Singapore. Yeah, yeah. It's the story of Badang and how Badang actually helped uh, to put a rock in the exactly. river. And if yeah. you think about it, and... And the third king's uh, reign, these stories were basically going around, right? People yeah. were hearing about this famous guy all the way in Singapore. Yeah. And again, like, why aren't these stories being told in our schools? And then how come I have to, to search through the internet to find so, these things? So, you see, let's, let's, let's just do a recap. The first king, Sangalatama, mistaken a lion. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second king was pretty much more exciting. Uh, uh, with a battle of 400 ships versus 180. Yep. Okay. The third king was the story of one of his uh, commander-in-chiefs, which is Badang. Exactly. Which is overpowering and, of course, put a rock in at the Singapore River. Yep. Now let's talk about the fourth king. Right. So I have here, mm. in 1375, mm. uh, Rana Wikrama was succeeded by his son, Seri Maharaja. Okay. Another mouthful. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and just to keep... Maharaja, every, that sounds like a... Like an Indian... Indian king, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we're getting a I lot mean, of... I mean, again, we're, we're inheriting the empire from the Sri Vijayan Empire. Right, which were mainly uh, Hindu, uh, Hindu empire, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, a lot... So, by the way, just for, for our viewers, a lot of the information that we're getting is from this thing called the Malay uh, Annals, which is mm. a, a source of historical stories from the Malay archipelago and... and in the region around here, uh, and and basically these people, uh, the 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 historical sources talk about. Uh, they only mention one key thing about mm. Seri Maharaja, mm. uh, and that was the event of Todak ravaging mm. the coast of Singapore. And for people who don't know what Todak is, it's basically garfish or needlefish. Mm. Uh, and I found that amusing. I was like, uh, did this king have nothing else happen? Uh, but but basically, this is a very interesting story by itself. Okay, um, let's hear it. So basically, uh, what happened was that needlefish, uh, uh, for people who, who don't know what it is, uh, these are fish that are capable of making short jumps 
out of the water at about 60 kilometers an hour. Oh, cool. uh, and so because they, they swim near the surface, uh, they often leap over the decks of shallow boats. And you can imagine Singapore, again, back then, a lot of uh, boats, a mm. lot of shipping that was mm. going around. Uh, and, and, and these, sh- these fish actually attack uh, a lot of people. So what about this story, I mean, of this needle, needlefish and garfish right. that we're having? Uh, it, it was, I heard there's a story about a young boy. Yeah, exactly. So there was a boy called Hang Nadim okay. uh, that he basically was trying to figure out how do, how do I get these todak to to. So these fish were attacking exactly. uh, the shores of uh, Singapore. They were attacking the shores. They were attacking the boats that were around there. Okay. This guy wanted to get that, get rid of them. And so uh, what happened was that he, this kid actually uh, fended off the todak by planting banana plants okay. along the shoreline. So mm. what happened was that when you plant these, the, uh, similar to our mangroves, how they used to exist back then, these banana plants uh, also created a natural protection okay. uh, from the todak. Uh, and it's, it's just a young kid who came out with this ingenious idea uh but unfortunately as with everything uh so, one, ba- so basically this fish leapt out of water and landed themselves in a banana tree by, exactly. poking, by puncturing a banana tree i think that's a, i think that's a myth mm. uh, uh but I, I just i just heard some parts of the story was that people started to then have free fish because all these fish are just stuck on the bananas just grabbing it i think it. i saw a cartoon about yeah exactly somewhere. yeah yeah uh Okay, <laughs> again, these stories they don't get told too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so all these you can imagine, you can just imagine the scene: this young kid planting all these banana plants and all these fish just jumping in. Uh, but the king, so the king was uh, very grateful for this, mm. uh, and he was like, "This was one of my biggest problems, and he solved it." Right. Uh, but he also, this is a sad part: uh, he felt so threatened by the boy's intelligence that he executed the mm. kid. Mm. Can you imagine your reward for coming up with an ingenious idea mm. to get executed? Right. And, you know, when I was growing up, I heard, like, a story where the blood of the boy uh, that oozed out when the, the, when, when the king killed this kid was became Brit Hill. I don't know oh. whether remember that. I did. Oh, my God. Yeah. I do remember the story. Yeah. So that's what this was? Yeah. I, I, think, I think that was what we understood. But whether that was the true story of Brit Hill... Uh, that that's a different thing. I mean, there's so many versions of these stories that are repurposed, but I think these were one of the things that we I, I, I heard. But back back to these fish. I mean, these fish were a great problem even till today. They still exist. Yeah, they still exist. I mean, I'm gar garfish or needlefish. Yep. Uh, like you said, swims at um uh, up at about 60 kilometers an hour. That's like really fast, right? Yeah. I mean, if you get hit by a car at 60 mile, 60 kilometers per hour, you pretty much will really get injured pretty oh, yeah. bad, right? So there were cases where in history uh, where two people died, or recorded history, two people actually died in modern days from needlefish. And being in modern days? In modern days, exactly. So these two histories, one in 1977 when a 10 year Hawaiian boy was doing night fishing with his father at Hanamalu uh, Malabe, and he was killed when a 1 to 1.2 meter long needlefish jumped out of water and pierced his eye and brain. Yeah, so these things are really, really a big problem. And the second one was a 16-year-old Vietnamese boy stabbed through the heart by a 15-centimeter long uh, needlefish in 2007. I would be very happy if I never, ever have to see a needlefish. And and this was in Halong Bay. Yeah. Yeah, so really these needlefish was truly a problem. And you can, I mean, just understanding that how... Uh, how scary this needlefish is, 
you will see how big a problem it was for the king. Yeah. People couldn't really fish. They were getting stabbed to death while entering the water. Exactly. And this banana fish uh, really helped to save the, them from the coastline and really to collect this. But it begs the question, have you, have you seen any neofish lately? I haven't. And again, like I said, I would be very happy not to. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, one of the myths I think growing up was I always thought it was swordfish. I always thought it was a swordfish or merlin or something like that, yeah. jumping out of the wall and stabbing a banana tree. Yeah. But actually, in reality, it's actually a pretty a smaller fish at about a meter long or 15 centimeters yeah. called the garfish uh, or needlefish. Huh. Yeah. So very pretty interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. So, so again, we have four, four stories, each mm. from a different king. We have uh, the Lion City. We have mm. uh, the, the war story. We have Badang and we have the needlefish story. Uh, so many interesting things from our history. Yeah, so the fourth king was all about solving that problem with fish. Now, let's talk about the last king. And I've heard the last king is the most interesting. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, Because it involves murder, it involves uh, a siege, and it involves basically uh, people... This was the last king, Mm. the last king of of Singapore. Mm. So, just to give some context again... uh, the, the the empire more or less that is being based in Singapore is the three uh, the three Vijayan Empire mm. and and this is uh, an empire that is contending with the Majapahit uh, and 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 kingdoms around as well. Basically, people were getting very jealous because Singapore was actually prospering. Singapore mm. was prospering, uh, and people wanted to to figure out a way to get rid of it, um, or rather, take control of it. Take right? control of it, Mm-mm. right? And mm. so the the person in charge. Uh, they give the name Parameswara. Okay. Parameswara isn't actually a name. It's a title that was given to a lot of people in that region. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say the actual name is Iskandar Shah. Okay. Uh, so it's a bit disputed. Uh, Parameswara is actually a Hindu name that means Supreme Lord. Mm. So that's why there's that dispute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, basically, this person ruled Singapore from 1389 to 1398. Right. Uh, and mm. what happened was that uh, one day, uh, because of a series of events, uh, the Majapahit Empire actually uh, attacked the, the, the kingdom, the island kingdom, uh, and, and they tried to basically create a new stronghold uh, in that area. So, And so the uh, Parameswara fled yep. and essentially went on to Malacca. Yep, exactly. And then he established a kingdom right there. Exactly. But what I what I know in other historical texts, right? Yeah. Uh, actually indicated that this guy Parameswara, right, was actually one of the uh, nobilities or kings uh, in uh, Palembang, mm-hmm. right? And because he he did something despicable, right? He what he did was that I think uh, he stripped a girl naked or something. Yeah. So the story I have yeah. here is that. Uh, Iskandar Shah Parameswara mm. uh, accused one of his concubines of adultery. Mm. And okay. what happened was that uh, as punishment, he stripped her naked in public. And the concubine's father, uh, Sang Rajuna Tapa, uh, was an official in the court. And he basically sent a secret message to someone in the Majapahit court, pledging the support should uh, the king choose to invade Singapore. Oh, and okay. so it's one of those things where like, you shamed me. I'm going to bring havoc on you. Okay. Uh, and so what happened was that the Majapahit dispatched a fleet of 300 um, men of war and 100 smaller vessels uh, carrying no less 
than 200,000 men. Uh, wow. And so basically what happened was that a Germany soldier engaged with the defenders in a battle outside mm. the fortress mm. and then forced them to retreat behind the walls. And basically this siege, again, all happening around Fort Canning Hill. Right. Imagine Fort Canning Hill. Right. This huge battle happening. Uh, and the fortress was impregnable. And what happened was that... But before that, um, what happened was that um, he, this King Paramiswaran was actually fled from Palembang. Yep. And he went over to then uh, Singapore. And, and, and he stayed there. And then, which after he kind of like assassinated the local king. Yes. Okay. So you're talking about the story before, yeah, before, before right. this. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about two different stories now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was talking about a story of how, of how he got attacked, uh, but you're talking about a story of how he attacked. Right. Uh, so, okay. Let's, let's rewind a bit. Okay. Let's rewind a bit. Okay. okay. So for our viewers, uh, basically, Sangnila Tama was one of the, uh, the most accepted founders of Singapore, mm -hmm. but some people say Sangnila Tama never existed. Uh, like we mentioned, the Malaya Annals, basically, uh, a lot of people disputed as these, these people never existed. Parmeswar was the only one that was considered factual. Okay. Uh, and because Parmeswar was basically still part of the Sri Vijayan Empire, uh, people say that uh, he and his, and his compatriots created the illusion of all these other kings and all these other stories in order to make him more legitimate. Okay. And so that goes back to your story. Actually, how did he become king? Mm. He actually came and murdered uh, the ruler of the island and took over the throne. And the lion's throne was actually, uh, like we mentioned before, his way of, of, in, of carrying on the lion's throne of his previous empire. Right, right. And, and the reason why he went to uh, Singapore then was because of this whole shame of the concubine. Exactly, so that's right. one of the stories. Mm. Uh, the other story is basically uh, the concubine thing happened as a result of him uh, uh, later on having to get attacked by the Majapahit Empire. Right. But what we know is that he eventually became the king of Singapore. Yes. So the facts right. as we know it, mm. uh, regardless of, of, of the, of the message, so this, this gets really messy because, mm. because this is a messy part of, of, of Singapore history, Singapore history. Uh, the, the facts mm. are the most factual thing. He was king. Mm. Uh, he did get uh, run out of the country okay. uh, by the Majapahit Empire. And right. everything in between those things uh, and before and after, they're fuzzy. Mm. So how did he become king? Did he inherit it from the Sea Vagina Empire or did he escape Palembang and take over the throne? Right. That's right. disputed. Okay. Uh, what happened in between? How did, how did uh, the empire get under siege? Was it because of this concubine story? Mm. Uh, that's also uh, a legend, right? But essentially, uh, those stories are just things people tell. Right. To, to make it, to right. make it interesting. But, but what happens the Majapit Empire actually uh, made a siege onto Singapore. Right? Exactly. And uh, what happened was that it didn't go so well for uh, Parami Swaran. No. And he fled Singapore. And went to Malacca. Went to Malacca. Yeah. And so right. back then Malacca still wasn't uh, um, like an actual uh, city center, okay. or at least as far as I, as, as, far, as, far as I read. Uh, but, but him going there actually mm. made it something. I see. Um, so that's actually a very interesting story. Uh, and, and I, so I actually have, uh, another piece of information. So you were talking about Red Hill right. uh, previously, and mm. that, that was the, the kid in, in the previous King's empire, uh, being killed. That's right. Or, that's the fourth king. For being mm. too smart. Yes. Right. 
Uh, I actually have an alternative story. Okay. About, okay. About okay. Red Let's Hill. hear it. And so remember how we were talking about the siege that was happening? Yes. People were stuck in the fortress. Uh, the story goes on actually to say that after a month, food in the fortress began to run low and the defenders were almost going to get starved. So what happened mm-hmm. was that uh, the minister who was, you know, helping out the king, Paramus Warren, mm. mm. lied to say the stores were empty uh, and when they were actually one. And he was basically trying to, to, to starve the people uh, and, 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 and get the Majapit Empire to attack on, 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 on a weak kingdom. Mm. And so what happened was that the gates were finally opened uh, under the order of this minister, the, mm. the, the father of the concubines. Uh, and the Majapid rushed in, and a terrible massacre ensued. And so according to the Malay annals, uh, blood flowed like a river, and the red stains on the soil, soil of Singapore, similar to the Red Hill story, oh, okay. is said to be the blood from that massacre. Right. So right. so Singapore, Singapore has a bloody, bloody history. Mm, There's mm. a lot of massacres, a lot of, of killings, uh, and, and just... That, that I never knew about when I was right, before I was right. reading this. But even there was a massacre, he still didn't do really well. He still had to flee from the Singapore kingdom. Exactly. And he landed on Malacca. Exactly. Oh, okay. So, so archaeological evidence actually suggests that that main settlement uh, was abandoned around mm-hmm. this time. They can confirm that. Right. Uh, and, and, and they still say that, that you know, these, these things did happen. Right? Okay. Paul Canning Hill has that. So, so unfortunately, they couldn't stop Parmes Warren. He went over and he made Malacca a booming hub, uh, mm. and Malacca actually began to gain, gain effective control of the straits, expand its influence in Sumatra, and actually managed to, to push back on the Majapahit Empire. Again. Oh, okay. And so did it gain back Singapore? Yeah, so they actually oh, right. reabsorbed Singapore, uh, and uh, there's this famous Malaccan uh, admiral called Hang Tua, mm. uh, who who also we can probably do a whole episode about, uh, but. But this person actually was the, the warlord that took over Singapore. Oh, okay. So it's a crazy, crazy stuff. Right. Uh, and I think, I think these, these are really parallel accounts from uh, Chinese Zhenghe annuals to the Malay annuals yep. to even uh, Portuguese, accounts. Portuguese accounts as well. Yep. I mean, these, they, they have very similar, some uh, varying differences in their accuracy for history. Yep. But essentially, all point to the existence of this king, Parmi yep. Swaran. Yep. And of course, the formation of Malacca as well. Yep. I, I think what, what happened was that uh, Parmi Swaran would later became Iskandar Shah. Yep, so and, the same name. Yep. Yeah, and so I, I think there's some confusion as to whether Iskandar Shah was the son of Parmeswaran or Parmeswaran was actually Iskandar Shah himself. Yeah. So I, I think there, there were lots of... Uh, 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 really, evidence that we're trying to uh, trying to see whether they were the same people or whether they was actually father and son. Yeah. But what we understand is that Zheng uh, He, the then legendary explorer from the Ming Dynasty, mm-hmm. and was his expedition down to uh, to this region in Southeast Asia, he actually went to meet Parmeswaran. Yep. And he made him a Muslim. Yeah, that's I read that too. That yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah, so uh, and and we understand that falling from these five kings, that Zheng He was one of the people that actually promoted Islam throughout Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah, because Zheng He himself was uh he was a uh, uh, Muslim Chinese uh, who had uh, who had 
I mean, historical evidence will suggest that he was of Persian blood as well. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, very interesting. But I, I can see the the melting of so many different religions and cultures into Southeast Asia yep. over such a short period of time. I mean, there, there was even a um, there's a travelogue that, mm. that I found out about called Tao Yi Zhi Lue. Am I pronouncing it right? Tao Yi Zhi. You. Oh, okay. I think so. Yeah. Uh, don't, and, don't quote me. I just sound Chinese. And basically, <laughs> Dad was talking about Cheng He's, uh, like, adventures in this area. Right. And he refers to two settlements, actually. Okay. Uh, and this was during the, the era of the kings, the three right. giant kings. So one was basically uh, the strait between Sentosa and Labrador. Right. And that was called uh, Longyaman. Longyaman, that's which, right. Which basically means dragon's teeth. Exactly. Gate. Well, very good pronunciation. Thank you. I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> naturalized into, into the Chinese part of Singapore very mm-hmm. well. <laughs> but uh, basically, what happened, uh, that dragon teeth is basically the, refers to these two rocks. Right. Uh, huge rocks in that area, which was used by Chang'e to navigate the waters around sure. her. Uh, and that, so uh, the British actually call that same place a uh, Lord's Wife in reference to the story of, you know, how uh, people would, Transforming the pillars of salt. Right, right. Um, so it was very interesting because they called that uh, Long Yaman, and then they called the other region, uh, which is the Port Canning Hill area that we've been talking about, as Banzu. Banzu. Am I pronouncing it? Banzu. Yeah. Mm. So they were basically the story that they say is oh, Long Yaman is where all the pirates are. So anytime they would go through that very treacherous settlement, pirates would attack. Uh, so that's the story of Singapore's pirates. That's like, like when, Chi- when Chinese travelers talk about Singapore as the land of pirates. Right. They're referring to Long Yaman. Right. Uh, and then Banju is uh, Fort Canning Hill area where, where the kingdom was. And so Cheng He actually was a witness to a lot of this. He even mentioned uh, later on how, um, yeah, these, these people did get uh, attacked by, by, by the Majapet or the Sai, or, or like, you know, they basically... These pirates, were, yeah. No, no. So they were talking about uh-huh. uh, later on uh, when Paramiswan got, got run out, Cheng He actually uh, wrote about that. And, and he basically said that, that yeah, that, that thing was there. Uh, the Portuguese have an account where they talk about uh, the, the Siamese attacking uh, Singapore, but they don't talk about uh, the kingdom ending. They basically mm-hmm. talk about how it just declined gradually uh, because Paramiswara uh, Iskandasha decided, oh, Singapore is too fragile, I'll go to Malacca. Mm. I'll just do more trade there. Mm. So, so there's a lot of difference, uh, difference in accounts, but ultimately right. all of them talk about the same thing. Right. I'm, I'm just thinking that Southeast Asia has so much history, <clears throat> so much culture. I mean, the, the, the region around it and really Singapore is right back in the middle of that action as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, with, with these five different kings, but what we are seeing is that if you look at it broadly, you are seeing two large empires clashing. And then one visiting empire trying to see what the what is going around exactly. in this region, like Chinese. So we have even Buddhism, uh, uh, we have Hinduism with animism that's coming in, different people. And then here we have Zheng He bring is Islam yeah. into the region. So surprisingly, I think I think I think this area is such a melting pot of different cultures. Oh yeah, and and it gets so confusing again because mm. everyone has an agenda in promoting that history. Right. right, so we we could have made some mistakes in 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 our story today, and and if you if you have our viewers and listeners, if you have mm. a more authoritative or clarification, like do let us know either in the comments or uh, messages on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's 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 crazy 
how so many things happen. So just to, just to kind of conclude mm. uh, this whole narrative. So the, there were kings, there were there were empires, empires there were wars, uh, and there was Chunha <laughs> coming right. going around. Uh, what happened was that uh, ultimately the the local the, the Muslim forces kind of took over the region. Mm. Uh, that's how uh, Southeast Asia became prone to so much Muslim influence. Mm. Um, and then thereafter, this story we have the fear of the uh, the colonists as well yep. became the colonized, whether it's Portuguese yep. or the Spanish or the British. Yeah. And then thereafter, uh, shortly after, we see raffles. Exactly. Such. So really, I, I think we, we've been concentrating so much in the history of maybe um, uh, um, uh, maybe Sangyanayatama or maybe raffles. But really, this this area of Singapore has so much history, so many kings, so many battles, so many folklore and myths. Oh, yeah. And, and, and again, I, I learned this in, in college at some point, but we use myths and stories to talk about some of our biggest cultural values. Right. Right. We talk about, we use narratives like this to, to kind of make us more confident and, and more embedded in, in who we are. And if we forget about this part, we, we just throw it aside. I don't know if we're completely embracing what it means to live on this island. Mm. Uh, even, as, even as an immigrant, I, I still tap into, into the narratives that, that happen on the soil. Mm. Right, and that's 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 just amazing to, amazing. to think about. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's the one hour we have for today. Yeah, I hope that uh, we've land blasted every with so much uh, historical and stories. And if you want to read more, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of resources online. I highly, highly encourage every Singaporean to to, to go and look for some kind of historical book. Wikipedia mm-hmm. was actually very useful in this. There was a lot of clicking uh, through the rabbit hole, uh, but but Wikipedia has a great amount of information on, on all these empires, and it, it's really, really interesting to read. Uh, and, it, you know, hopefully you've learned some fun facts. Uh, there's so many side episodes that we can do. Uh, Eking, uh, one of our viewers, uh, who I know, hi, Eking, uh, <laughs> talked about the Singapore stone having an inscription. Mm. That's a whole episode by itself, how, how basically uh, Singaporeans, historians mm. and archaeologists are still trying to figure out what that inscription says. Yes, uh, mm, that's right. <laughs> so... so it's a lot of stuff to dig into. Uh, I highly encourage everyone to, to especially as we're disputing a lot of our history today. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's fair. Like it is worthy to to reevaluate some of the stories we're told. To ask ourselves actually where do these stories come from? To to, to take a broader look at it. Of course, of course. And of course, those of you who are interested in the stories of the five kings, um, of course, do check it out. Do also understand that we are right smack in the middle of many, many different large empires yep. and really they also have a rich history that, that, that created different cultures and different kinds of uh, uh, stories within the region as well. So I encourage everybody also to check it out as well. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that's all we have for today. That's um, it. So my name is Willie and this is Rovek and I uh, hope that you join us next time on another episode of SG Explain. Yep. All right. See you guys. See you.